You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. We're just going to go ahead and dive right in tonight. Sound good? Okay. You guys, are you note takers? Okay, no. I like the honesty, but we're going to change that tonight, okay? So you guys take notes tonight, okay? But take notes because I, I'm telling you, like, there's so many times in my life where I sit in a service and I'm like, oh, that was good, but okay, let's move on. And then, like, come back a season later and I, like, needed that. So take notes because you never know what God is speaking when, when you're going to need it in that time, okay? So tonight we're going to talk about In My Head. That's the title of the message. And yes, and the reason why we're talking about that is because if you know me, you know that like I'm a thinker. I like overthink things. You may keep your comments to yourself, <laughs> but I think, I think, I think, I think. Um, so if you're in my head, I'm going to let you in my head a little bit tonight. Um, it's not a scary place as it sounds, but it's you'll make it through. But one thing I am like, Honestly, like I'm not lying, I'm afraid of is parking garages, okay? I feel the judgment already, but before you judge me, there's a rational reason. It makes sense. Okay, we're going to, listen, it makes sense. And you guys will, this will all become a fear for you. You're going to join me on this journey. But, okay, so I know like someone like super, super smart, you know, did the math and they planned it and they know how it it's built and they know how many cars can go on it and like it's safe. I get that like on one side of my brain. The other side of my brain is overthinking it. And I think like, okay, well, it's really just concrete. And then a car weighs like a thousand pounds. And then you have like a million cars in one parking garage. So that's like a million pounds. And are we sure this concrete is going to hold like a million pounds worth of cars? Plus, we keep getting fatter, so that means we're, you know, heavier in the car. So then are they, like, still, do they know that new weight? And then Oklahoma, you know, our stuff is old, so there are cracks in parking garages. Did they calculate the crack into this? Like, did they know that this crack is going to hold this car? And so all of a sudden, parking garages are a very dangerous place to be, okay? But I'm telling you, you're going to look at them in a different way. But the reason I realize, like, it's a fear is because it's my thought process. Like, the more I think about it, the more I get, like, anxious, the more I get built up, and it just all, all tumbles from there. And I realize, like, I do that in a lot of things, that my thoughts take me to emotions. My emotions take me to, like, a belief system. My belief system takes me to what I'm even looking for, for opportunities. And those opportunities turn into, like, actual experiences, And then those become like my life, you know, because those are my moments. And it all started with the thought. And so I I think that happens for little thoughts that like mean nothing that are just silly all the way to like the really big thoughts in my life. So, you know, thinking about what what is God's favorite meal. And I'm pretty sure it's like Chick-fil-A and Dr. Pepper. There's like a special anointing on that. Yes, Sprite is when you're sick. That's crazy. That's not a normal drink. Okay, but so I think about that. I think about my favorite, like what I'm going to binge watch on TV. And I'm taking an old school right now and watching The Nanny. Do you guys know that? It's way before your time. You need to go and watch it because it's classic. Okay. 
Um, I think about one of the reasons I love coming on Wednesday night is beating all of you guys, especially David at Jungle Pong. You know, I get so excited about that. <laughs> uh, David, Caleb, just love beating all of you guys at Jungle Pong. And then I think about like more serious things like my fears and my insecurities, you know, am I enough? Um, am I going to do well at this? Like, are they already so bored? And they're like counting the minutes. Just all those thoughts, and they all add up, and they all keep coming. And all of a sudden, I realize, like, the more I think about a thought, it can either take me to this really happy moment where I'm, like, really believing God for things. I'm really believing, like, I am who he says I am. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You know, God is good, and I'm his child, and we're, we're good. We're ready to take on the world. Um, and then... I can do the flip where I think and think and think, and now all of a sudden I'm anxious, I'm depressed, I feel like, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? Did God mess up when he made me? Did he forget something? Is he disappointed? Am I not living up to what he wants for me? And I think, like, I'm not alone in that. I think we all do that. Even if you don't know that, you're going to know by the end of the night that you do that. Um, Because the Bible talks about the fact that we do that. It says, um, and it says that, like, our thoughts are everything. They're not just, like, this moment we think that they are, and, like, they're just, like, a fleeting thought, like that phrase. Um, they're actually, like, really, really significant. Like, I talked about how it turns into your life, and the Bible agrees with that. It says in Isaiah 55, 8, that God's thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. They're, like, as high as the heavens are, that's how high God's thoughts are. So it's pretty big. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So those two verses combined lets us know that a lot of times there's this big gap between what we think and what God thinks. And the problem with that is what I think determines my life. And so if my thought process is way down here, then maybe my life is also way down here. And it's way different than what God thought it was going to be like or what he planned for me. And so that gets really dangerous when your thoughts are like built on complete counterfeit lies from the enemy, so is your life. It's completely counterfeit. And it's also dangerous even when those thoughts are just like a little bit off. Because at the end of the day, off is off, right? So um, we're going to look at the story of Peter um, because there's a moment in his story where you see him unraveling in his thoughts. But you also see what God wants to do in that situation. And um, But before we get into the story, I just want to go ahead and give you the points for tonight. So they're already in your brain. They're already on your notes because you guys all just listened at the beginning. And you're like, yes, I'm going to take notes. So you're going to write them down because we're going to see them play out through the rest of the service, okay? And hopefully... If you get nothing else, I want you to understand these points, okay? And I'm going to go through them really fast, but you're gonna, you'll see them in the story. So number one, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. A lot of times we're way off. A lot of times naturally what we naturally want to do is we're thinking a lot differently than God. But number two, God wants to meet us there. Number three, he doesn't just want to show up on the scene and hang out with us in that area. He wants to bring us up from that. He wants to exchange his thoughts with us so that we start thinking a little bit more like him. And so we're going to see this play out in Peter. And I like Peter because I feel like there are a lot of Bible characters that I would want to be. I kind of feel like I would be Peter, though. Because Peter, 
was dramatic, and Peter was like uber emotional. And the yes, the older I get, like the way more emotional I get. I used to not be emotional. Now it's like at the drop of a hat, I can cry. And so, like this is how emotional I can get. Recently, maybe not recently, a couple months ago, watched the movie I Can Only Imagine. Okay, it's a sad movie, but it's not. It's a great movie, but I kind of took it extra. Like, we're in the movie theaters, and I did not mean to go there, but I don't know what. I was just feeling Jesus that day or something, but I, when I'm, I'm not exaggerating at all. When I tell you I was, like, shaking, crying in my seat, like, uncontrollably, the kind of crying where, like, you can't control, like, the level you're crying at. You can't control, like, snot coming out your nose, and you're just, like, your whole body is shaking. In the movie theater, surrounded by family, surrounded by strangers, I'm uncontrollably sobbing. And I have, like, the thought in my brain, like, this is sad. This makes sense that your reaction is like this. And then the other side is like, Molly, you got to get yourself together. You are embarrassing yourself. So I feel like I would be Peter because I'm just ridiculous in my emotions sometimes. And so before we see Peter start struggling with thoughts and struggling with his emotions, we actually get to meet him in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And I think we have that scripture. Yep. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and you want to pay attention to that because that's going to be important later. So Sea of Galilee, Jesus walks by and he sees two brothers, Simon, a.k.a. Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fish for a living. So we meet Peter and we find out right off the bat he's a fisherman. That's his job. That's what he does. Jesus comes on the scene and he kind of, he gives that famous quote that a lot of people know where he's dropping this job offer on Peter. And he's saying, you're not going to be a fisherman anymore. You're going to be a disciple. And, in fact, you're going to fish for men. You're going to be a fisher of men. And so Peter, the Bible says, at a drop of a hat, takes that job offer and runs and is willing to change his life in a moment. Um, but Luke chapter 5 kind of gives us a little bit more insight into why Peter was so willing just to changed his lifestyle in one moment. It actually happened because he had an encounter with Jesus a little bit before that. So Jesus meets Peter a little before that moment in Matthew chapter 4. Peter's fishing, doing his job. It's not going really well. He's not having luck catching anything. So he's actually at the point where he's kind of over his day. He's cleaning his nets, trying to pack it up for the day. And then Jesus walks by and a group of people are, are following him, being groupies, getting ready to hear something from Jesus. And Jesus needs like a stage to preach from so that everybody can hear him. And so he notices Peter's boat and he asks Peter without kind of really asking. He just kind of gets on Peter's boat and tells him to um, push out into the water a little bit. And so they use that as like a makeshift stage. So Jesus does his thing, he's preaching, and then the church service ends, and Jesus starts giving fishing advice to Peter. And he's like, oh, well, haven't you tried the other side of your boat? Like, just throw your nuts over there. Of course. And I feel like if I were Peter, I'd be like, I appreciate your thoughts, but I do this for a living. I've done it my whole life. I've been fishing all day. I'm pretty sure I've tried all sides of the boat. I've thought about that. And so thank you, but no. Um, but he doesn't do that. Something that he heard that day was 
changing something inside of Peter. And so it says his actual response was, if you say so, I'll try again. And so Peter throws his net into the water and starts to pull it back up. And the Bible says that a miracle happened, that so many fish started filling the net that he had to call his buddies over and use their boat to fill, um, to get all the fish in the boat. So a crazy, crazy moment. So it's this moment, this encounter with Jesus that Peter has fresh in his mind, and then Jesus gives him the job offer. And so with that, Peter goes on this journey where he completely changes his lifestyle, no longer going to be a fisherman, but he's going to be a fisher of men. And so the Gospels continue where Peter's on this three-year ministry tour with Jesus and he gets to see amazing things like he sees the feeding of 5,000 he sees um, Lazarus being brought back from the dead he sees people who are born blind suddenly they can see again people who couldn't walk now they can walk he even got to do more miracles like be a part of them himself where he walked on water so crazy crazy stuff And the Bible says not only did he see those amazing things with Jesus and get to be a part of, like, the coolest church ever, but he got really, really close to Jesus. That Jesus had 12 disciples, but Peter was among one of, like, the closest friends. And so it was, like, a very impactful part of his life. And so all of that leads up to Peter and Jesus and the rest of the disciples having this uh, famous meal, the communion meal that we talked about on week one of Grace to Gardens. And they have this meal where Jesus is breaking bread, having wine with them, and just talking about, you know, he's about to die for the world and, and, and die for our sins. And right after that communion meal, Jesus continues to drop some bombs on them and give them some insights about what's about to go down. And so he turns to Peter in Mark chapter 14, verse 27 through 28, and he says, Jesus told all of them, all of you will desert me. For scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. But Peter, being dramatic, is like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. You are my best friend. I believed in you. At this point, like, I'm pretty convinced you're the son of God. You've done amazing things. I'm pretty sure that you're the promised Messiah. There is no way after everything that I've seen, everything I've been a part of, that I'm going to walk away. Like, I'm not going to deny you. In fact, I would die before I deny you. And he keeps raising the stakes, being dramatic. But Jesus is like, all right, Peter, you're, you're crazy. Because, in fact, you are. You're going to deny me. It says in verse 30, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. Yeah, crazy. Um, so the story continues where Jesus gets arrested, and he's taken to the high priest. Um, home to basically get questioned and accused. They're trying to find reasons to to kill Jesus. And ultimately, we know the story that Jesus is going to die and um, be crucified for our sins. But before that, he's in this home getting questioned. And while he's getting questioned, Peter's actually hanging out in the courtyard, um, warming his hands over a fire, watching what's going to happen to his leader, to the person he believes is the son of God, to his best friend. And I can imagine as Peter is there that night, warming his hands, trying to look in, 
into the home to see what's happening, that just a ton of thoughts are going through his mind. I'm sure, like, he's afraid, you know, because I've been in close contact with this guy. If they're after him, maybe they're going to come after me next. Maybe he's starting to have doubts, like, what if he really isn't the son of God? What if, like, everything I've seen, I've maybe, like, imagined or maybe I've, like, just misunderstood? And and what if he really does die and, and then that's it? Like, how do I come back from this? How do I just go back to fishing? And and I'm sure maybe he was thinking, you know, what what's going to happen in this moment? What exactly is about to take place? I know he talked about he's going to die, but what does that really mean? And so I'm sure there's like a lot of thoughts going on in Peter's mind. And as he's trying to deal with that, the crowd around him starts recognizing him and like, oh, aren't you like Jesus's buddy? Haven't you been hanging out with him? And Peter denies it. And then someone else is like, no, 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 I'm pretty sure I've seen you. You were hanging out with him. And Peter denies it again. And then someone's like, wait a minute, your, your voice, like you sound like you're from Galilee. You have that accent. You, you have to have hung out with Jesus. And Peter being all dramatic again, he's like, oh, okay, my voice. Well, he starts cussing at them. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fool you. Uh, I haven't been with Jesus. And so he starts cussing, and it says um, in verse 74, Peter swore a curse, on, uh, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know that man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. And he went away weeping bitterly. So I think at this moment, a lot more thoughts start piling on. He already has all this other worries going on in his mind. And now I think he's struggling with shame. I think he's struggling with, I can't believe I did that. That was the one thing I said I would never do. I was just so sure. Like, I would never cross that line. And I crossed it. And what, what does that mean for my life? What if, what if he really is the Messiah? He's going to die, but he's going to come back. Now what is he going to do with me? Like, I just denied him three times. Do I really still have a purpose? Like, am I really still a disciple? Would he even want me? Um, and I didn't even have to take time. I didn't even really breathe before I denied him time after time after time. It was so easy. So I'm sure he has all of those thoughts flooding his mind. And, it's, and I think that because of what we just read, it, where it says he went away weeping bitterly, but also because John 21 says that when he was struggling with all of those thoughts, he went back to the Sea of Galilee, back to fishing, back to what he knew before this all began. But when he's there on the Sea of Galilee, he starts fishing again. And in a really, really similar scene to that very first scene we talked about, Peter's fishing But again, he's not having any luck fishing. He's trying and trying and catching nothing. And all of a sudden, they see uh, a man on the shore like a long way off. But it's like really foggy, so they can't really tell who it is. But they hear this man shouting at them, giving them fishing advice. And he says, why don't you try the other side of your boat? And so Peter um, does it willingly puts his net on the other side of the boat, and again, a miracle happens where he pulls the net up, and there's so many fish that they're struggling getting the net and the fish into the boat. 
And so at that moment, that memory of the first experience comes flooding back in Peter's mind. And the Bible says that in his dramatic way, Peter couldn't wait for the boat to get to shore because he realized it was Jesus on the shore. And so he jumps in the water and swims all the way to the shore. And when he gets to the shore, Jesus is there. He has a fire going and he has fish cooking on it. He has breakfast for them. And... I love this story because it's so cool because Jesus met Peter there on the Sea of Galilee that day for a reason. So he gets there, he sees the fire, and Jesus sits down now for like a second meaningful meal with Peter. That first meaningful meal was the communion meal where he kind of told him some bad news that like you're going to mess up. And Peter didn't believe it, but sure enough it happened, but now... We're at a new meal, and this meal is cool because Jesus at this meal is going to offer Peter a chance to be redeemed. So in this meal, he has a conversation with Peter, and he basically goes on to say, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus asks again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then Jesus asks one more time, Peter, do you love me? And the Bible says in that moment in John 21 um, that Peter was hurt. When Jesus asked the third time, I think Peter was hurt because he was struggling with his thoughts. He was thinking, he's disappointed in me. He knows I messed up, and now he doesn't even know if I love him. And I don't think Jesus was asking Peter that day, do you love me, over and over and over, because he was questioning if Peter loved him. I think Jesus was offering a time for Peter to redeem every single time that he denied him that he was going to rewrite this thought in Peter's mind. So when his mind was going to go back and play that memory over, that, man, I I messed up. I denied him once and then twice, and then I did it a third time, that his mind could not stop there. It had to keep playing the memory and remember that Jesus came and he met him and gave him a chance to declare his love for him three times. I think also... Jesus did some other things on purpose at that breakfast. Um, So he was cooking over fire. And I think he did the fire so that every time Peter started smelling that fire, his memories would kick back in. His thoughts would go back to that night in the courtyard where he was warming his hands over the fire and he denied Jesus, his biggest mistake. And his mind and his thoughts would be tempted to stay there and just think, like, my purpose is done. Like, how could I have done that? But Jesus offered another memory for him to remember that Jesus showed up as his risen Savior to have breakfast with him over a fire. So his mind couldn't stay at that first memory. It had to go on. That when Peter thought back to that communion meal and then again back to the denial Because that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to keep you in, like, the negative side, those negative thoughts. But Jesus came, and and he said that, yeah, we had that communion meal, and that's so you can remember what I did for you. But it doesn't just stop at the cross. There's the resurrection. And so he came back, and he spent time with him at a new meal, at breakfast um, by the sea, so that every time Peter was tempted just to stay in that area and, and stay in those thoughts that he was done for, that he would remember that God showed up in a new way. And I think all of those things, not 
that they weren't coincidences, but they were like intentional things that God set out to do um, because of what Jesus actually did in his instructions at that communion meal. I think Peter missed it when Jesus first said it. And I think a lot of times we miss it when we read the Bible. But I want to go back and draw our attention to it because we've already read it tonight. But I think we probably missed it like Peter. So Mark chapter 14, verse 27 and 28, it says, all of you will desert me. So this is where he's telling Peter, you're going to mess up. You're going to deny me. But there was something after that. He said, but after I'm raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. So him showing up that day on the Sea of Galilee was an RSVP. Like he already had planned it. It was a date set in stone. Like he was prepared to be there after Peter messed up to rewrite the story. And I think he did that because he cared about Peter. He cared about his thoughts. He cared about how he would view his mess-ups. He cared about how he would view his relationship with, with Jesus. And he cared about how he would view his purpose. But I also think he did that because he does that for us, that he cares about how we think about things. He cares about how we view our purpose, how we view our relationship with him. And, and the heartbeat of that, of God's um, desire for that, is all throughout the Bible. And you got to remember the Bible is God's written thoughts. That's what he thinks about you. And so this is what he says. We talked about Isaiah 55, 8 that says, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So what that verse is saying is it is bringing an awareness to us that there's naturally a gap between us and God. But it's also an invitation for us to think better. To, to search out God for something higher than what we do. Proverbs 23, 7, we talked about, says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And so that's talking about that your, your thoughts impact you. God is giving us the insight that your thoughts are going to impact your life. So you got to watch out for it. Romans 12, 2 says, we can all be transformed by renewing our mind. So God is telling us that we can change our thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, um, take captive every thought. So God doesn't want to let just any thought have free access to you. Um, Philippians 4.8 lists a, th- a lot of things that you should think on. But that also means there are things that you shouldn't be thinking on, that it's going to take you in a different direction. And 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, for we have all been given the mind of Christ. So going back to our points, just like with Peter No matter where you're at in your thought process, if you're struggling like him with your purpose being over, that you've messed up too much, that you've crossed the line you thought you never would cross, maybe you're thinking like you're not enough, maybe you're questioning if you were made right, that maybe God messed up on you, maybe you're questioning God in his entirety, you know, is he real, does he care about you, whatever that thought is, God understands where you're starting and he wants to meet you there. But he wants to give you his mind. He wants to give you the mind of Christ so that you think a little bit more like him. And the whole reason for that is so we can experience a life that he, he thought about, a life that's better. Um, so a life that, that says that I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. That there's nothing in this world that can separate me from God's love. That I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. That I'm more than enough that I was created fearfully and wonderfully. That's what God thinks about you. And so um, just like with Peter that night, I think that's what God is telling us tonight, that 
wherever we're at. God wants to meet us there, and he wants to tell us what he thinks about us, and he wants to redefine our thoughts. He wants to challenge our thoughts and give us a new thought. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray tonight, and then we'll go uh, into small groups, okay? God, I just thank you so much tonight. I thank you for the opportunity just to talk about you and talk about your heart. God, I pray that tonight as we continue into small groups, that you would just open up the floor to exchange wherever we're at, whether it's a good thought that can become great, whether it's a thought that's completely built on a lie, or maybe if it's just slightly off. God, I believe that tonight you want to change out those thoughts for what you think, because you want better for us. God, we just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. 